I am going to ask you to be honest. Just don't go home and get your spouses or your kids or your parents and just go through and please watch, be honest and and watch the presentation. That's kind of the whole point of all of this. So, but you can, uh, I know there's several that's missed a Wednesday night. So you can go to our podcast and watch that particular one that you've missed and fill out the student handout. And uh, this is only for our new members that are wanting to do complete the membership process. Also, listen very carefully. On Sunday evening, February the 12th at 6 p.m., I will be going through the leadership session in the A Center next door. That's Sunday, February the 12th at 6 p.m. If you're not sure you want to go into leadership or not, I would encourage you to come anyway. Because if you do three months from now and the Lord talks to your heart, you won't have to wait till our next rotation to go through it. So I'm encouraging everybody, if you want to, if you just want to go through that session, if nothing else, you can just find out what our real core beliefs are. Somebody's clicking ink pens, and I'll ask you not to do that. It's very distracting. Um, It's like me sitting up here trying to... Y'all enjoying the class? That's pretty good, ain't it? Um, so you get the point. Um, so, uh, remember that for Sunday, February the 12th at 6 PM. If you have any friends or family that wants to be a part of it, please pass that information on. Um, and then, uh, sister Christie has your personality and gifting results, uh, for you after church tonight, they'll be at the concierge desk and she'll hand those to you as you're leaving. So if you'd like to have your personality and giftings results back, then you can pick those up on your way out, and we'll also have them Sunday, I guess, until they're all gone. And, um, and then following our session tonight, we will talk a little bit about our membership covenant, and you will be, those of you that are new members, if you're already a member of Grace Church, you don't have to do it again. Only for our new members, if you need the membership covenant, we'll give it to you, and I'll talk to you about that at the end of this session. Everybody said amen. Thank you for your patience, and I hope I was clear with that. Uh, As we did last Wednesday night, those of you that have a student handout, if you don't have one, if you'll raise your hand, we'll get one to you. um, But we're going to start at Grace Step 4, where it says, Make a Difference. So if you'll turn a page or two in your student handout and find the spot where it says, Grace Step 4, Make a Difference. If anybody needs help finding that, uh, I'll send somebody from across the aisle from you to help you out. Does everybody have it? Anybody do not have it? I'm going to take that as we're all, on, we're all on the same page, no pun intended. Okay, let's begin tonight. And um, Grace Step 4 is the fourth part of Grace Church Vision. Our vision is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Tonight, we're we're step four, make a difference. In verse six of our scripture setting, God said to the Jewish people in bondage in Egypt, he said, I will take you to me for a people so that they could go and make a difference in the world of that time. They would be a monarchy, or excuse me, a theocracy where they were ruled by God And they would be an example to the rest of the world. So I want to begin tonight by encouraging everyone that is becoming a part of Grace Church to get connected. We have an open door policy here. Um, 
I, I despise the whole concept of a clique and you got to know somebody and all that kind of stuff. Everybody did personality and gifting last Thursday night. So you know what your personality is. You know what you have to deal with. Don't blame it on someone else. I mean, if you're the ostrich, oh, that wasn't one of the animals. But anyway, if you are a person that has an identity that says, I have a hard time finding friends and making friends and all that, when they don't accuse the church of being the clique, you're the problem. And you need to be real transparent about that. And also, you've done gifting. So you know what giftings that God has endowed you with, and so you can pursue those avenues, and we have open doors here. Nothing is sewed up. We're not territorial. We share. Everybody say amen. Amen. Okay. So get connected. Number one, the first blank is lifestyle. Who we are as Grace Church and lifestyle. Hebrews 12, 14 said to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And I will cover all the holiness stuff in our leadership session in February, if you'll attend that class. Follow peace with all men is what I want to stress here. We teach four things at Grace Church concerning lifestyle. Number one, our lifestyle towards God is attitude and appearance. It's follow peace with all men. That's attitude and holiness. That's of the heart, but it has to do with appearance. Holiness is what we live unto the Lord. It's not to be flaunted. It's, holiness is not our idol. It's a byproduct of having the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your heart. Okay. Kindness is unto men. The fruit of the Spirit is your gauge for spirituality. Doesn't matter how much you speak in tongues, if you're not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Um, But attitude and appearance, and I want to take just a quick moment and address what I call Walmart Pentecostals. First and foremost, they're snooty. If you see a fellow Pentecostal from another church in Walmart, they will turn their head and walk down another aisle. Has anybody ever noticed that? The other thing is their appearance makes you not want to go to their church. If you have to look like that as a Pentecostal to go to Walmart, I'll never be a Pentecostal. So we encourage people, when you're out in public, do something with that hair. I could continue, but I think you get the point. So in lifestyle, toward God, we... we Really stress, preach, and teach here attitude and appearance. Number two, our, our, our lifestyle towards family is character. Everybody listen. Pastor teaches that true Christianity begins in the home toward your spouse and your kids. If you live like the devil at home and act like Jesus at church, you're going to confuse everybody around you. You're a Christian at home first. So we believe in character at home. C is towards community. Grace Church, in our our position towards community, we are a Christian first in community. I had a little fun tonight on the way to church. Uh, I was on Sullivan Road and had an opportunity to race a teenage kid, and I beat him. And I got a tongue lashing all the way to church over there. You've got a gray sticker on that back window. 
Well, I have an answer. I have a brother that doesn't serve God, so if that man ever approached me, I would tell him, I just loaned my brother my truck that day, and that was him and not me, Shanna. <laughs> she fussed at me a couple of weeks ago for cutting her off, and my answer to that, if you wouldn't drive like a female, I wouldn't have had to. We'll get into that another. <laughs> Hallelujah. All the men said, never mind. Y'all, you wouldn't say it anyway, you're afraid. So, but towards community, we're a Christian at, at first, we're a Christian at home, we're a Christian in the workplace, and in all recreation and social media, we're a Christian first. Facebook, Instagram, and all that business is not an opportunity for you to act like a Pentecostal idiot. It's not a pulpit for you to rail on everybody on the planet and then get mad at people who respond to you telling you that you're a Pentecostal idiot. So just be nice. We, we want to be Christian people. And then finally, toward yourself in your morality. This includes habits, including we teach uh, no alcohol, no nicotine, no gambling, tattoos, piercing, drugs, homosexuality, transgender, cross-dressing, and so on. Um, we teach that folks refrain from that. You'll hear more about that in the leadership class if you come to it. So, moving on to point number two. We and we here at Grace Church encourage people to make friends. This is so important. Make friends. We are social. We encourage you to make friends at Grace Church. We value you being here, and we would like to get to know you, and we would love for you to get to know us. There has been scores of people that have told me that have come to Grace Church after meeting me. They wonder how they've lived their life that long without meeting me and knowing me to... I'm hearing a lot of rumors. I need to see all you people that's talking right now after church. So, um, But we encourage you to make friends. We're social and what have you. Cicero, the Roman philosopher, said, Friendship is the only thing in the world concerning the usefulness of which all mankind are agreed. But while, people, while all people long for friendship, genuine friends are hard to come by. Of course, Proverbs says, and we'll talk about it again in a moment, but he who has friends... Must be snooty, not talk to anybody, act like you're pouting all the time. It's not what it says. You folks that complain that you don't have any friends, you need to go home and look in the mirror. That's the problem. You're not likable. Am I just being too honest here tonight or whatever? It's true, man. I hear more people whine. You could have your own violin orchestra with all that whining and what have you. But many, many factors contribute to the scarcity and shortage of friendship. The increase in mobility of our culture has made lifelong friends a rare commodity. Statistics in America says right now the average person that lives in American culture right now has maybe three friends. It's amazing with all the ways we communicate with people. Even when we stay in one place for a long time, the rapid place of life makes it difficult to carve out time for building and sustaining friendships. Social media may help us connect with old classmates and distant relatives, but it also poses an electronic barrier to the kinds of practices 
most necessary to cultivate deep friendship. And if you've ever needed wisdom regarding friendship, it is now. People who accept you to be their friend on Facebook, it's really not your friend. Okay. So I'm going to give you four simple suggestions on friendship as becoming a part of Grace Church. Number one, you want to be selective. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This proverb reminds me that everyone cannot and should not be a close friend. Quality trumps quantity when it comes to friendship. Select your friends wisely and then hang in with them. Stick to them. We should select friendships carefully because wrong friends bring harm. The Bible said, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's awesome wisdom. Character is caught as much as taught, and this is true of character both noble and base. The Bible again said, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. The next thing you want to do in, 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 in finding friends is, is set boundaries. This is, this is stuff for all of our, our, our whole church, but especially our, our new members. You want to set boundaries in friendships. So Proverbs also teaches the principle of boundaries. Know when to leave a friend alone. We need to warm up to the idea sometimes that I need my space without you in it. And we need to understand that. Different people have different capacities for friendship, and various friendships have different limitations. And it's important that we understand that. Learn when to give your friends space. The Bible said, now this is Bible-based stuff, The wise man again said, Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. You can hang around people so much they started off liking you. But after a while, you know, Benjamin Franklin was the one who said, Guests like fish stink after three days. Don't wear out your welcome. Leave people alone. Learn when to leave people alone. I visited a man one time, not going to call his name, but I sat in his living room for three hours, and all I said was, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. When I got ready, this true story, when I got ready to leave, he hung his elbow on my car door with the window down and went all the way down his driveway out to the street, and I finally just pulled off with him walking. <laughs> he didn't know when to let you go. And so no one would talk to him or see him. I could tell a hundred stories on that one. So we have to understand that. Don't wear out your welcome with friendship. The next point is friendship is mutual. It goes both ways. It's a two-way street. In any true friendship, both friends contribute. Both friends contribute. Each person benefits. To have a friend, you must be a friend. And if you're the kind of person in a relationship, you always have your hand out, and you're only interested in your wants and desires and needs and not theirs... You won't have a friend much longer. The Bible said, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. The Bible also said that iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth his countenance of his friend. 
These two proverbs illustrate two kinds of mutuality and friendship. Number one, it's sweet, and number two, it's sharp. Sweetness arises from the uh, mutuality and interest, the sharing of a common ground. This is essential to any real friendship. In his brilliant book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis described the difference between the love of lovers and that which binds friends. He said, we picture lovers face to face, but friends side by side. Their eyes look ahead. This is why pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice, he said. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Consider that with friendship. This is always true. Every deep friendship is built on some common ground. And the more I have in common with someone, the more sweetness there is to the friendship. But notice and listen. On the other hand, there is a sharpening aspect to um, the mutuality and friendship. Again, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. My best friends are not just the ones who only share my interest, but challenge me in meaningful ways by informing my thinking, expanding my interest, balancing my weaknesses, and probing me to better character. That is a friend. You don't want people patting you on the back all the time and admiring you because you're stupid. You want somebody to stretch you out a little bit and challenge your mentality and make you a better person. The next part of friendship is respect. Respect is the foundation of any good relationship. One of the main ways we show respect is how we talk about our friends when they're not around. Oh, hey, sister so-and-so, you're so awesome. Great to see you tonight and get home and say, did you see what she had on tonight? That was disgusting. She is so just... just you know what I'm talking about? And church people oftentimes do that. And it's called hypocrisy. So we have to have mutual respect. If somebody tells you something in confidence, that doesn't mean go tell someone else in confidence. That means don't go tell nobody. We have to do this kind of respect thing. Okay, Proverbs 25, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame and thy infamy turn not away. One translation said, argue your case with your neighbor himself. And do not reveal another secret, lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. In other words, don't expect to keep friends if you talk about them behind their back. Friends know when to speak and when to keep their mouth shut. That's a friend. Everybody said amen. Anybody know this? Proverbs said, he that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. One translation said, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. So when I say all my words up here tonight that sound crude and harsh, it's biblical. I mean, whoever belittles his brother lacks sense. You're ignorant. But a man of understanding remains silent. <laughs> What's that saying? It's better to be quiet and leave people in doubt than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, whatever that is. Um, Okay, number three is building relationships. If you want to build a relationship with somebody in Grace Church, the basis of it has to be love. Love is a starting point, and I don't mean this generically. If you don't love people, 
it's going to be really hard to maintain any kind of friendship or relationship with them. We must have genuine interest at heart of the people we relate to plus express friendship. Many problems and conflicted relationships involve power struggles. People feel excluded and the absence of brotherly affection. Paul described both concepts in Philippians. He said, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, it's what I said a few moments ago. I know people, as pastors reek with this, you go out to lunch with them, and you'll sit there for two hours hearing all about their stuff, but when it comes time for you to tell them about your stuff, it's time to go. And it's annoying. And true friendship is mutual. I'll hear your stuff, and then you sit there long enough to hear my stuff. That's friendship. It's not all about you. It's about us and friendship. Let's move on. Number two is encouragement. The major problem that retards positive uh, relationships is criticism. Research indicates that in good relationships, there's a five-to-one ratio in favor of positive encouragement over negative criticism. Paul emphasized the importance of this. Encourage, don't criticize, don't condemn, and quit complaining. The Bible said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. None. Didn't say a little. None. Zero. Zip. Zip it. But that which is good to use... Uh, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Make people feel important. Use their name. Be friendly and smile. I've messed up before trying to call people by their name, and they'll correct you. But at least I tried. You know, I get tired of that thing walking up to somebody and saying, Hey, man, that's code for I don't know your name. And I'm going to ask everybody in this church, I want everybody to set up and listen. I'm going to ask everybody in this church, do not do this to me, nor anyone else. Do you remember me? Yes. Please don't do that. Because that means I'm supposed to. And if I don't, you just made a big fool out of me. And it accomplishes nothing but embarrassing me or whatever. Or they'll bring a guest to church and say, Sister Wando say, do you remember them? I do remember you. (laughs) Barely, but I did. No, I'm good. (laughs) So please be appropriate. If you're talking in a group of people, everybody please learn this. Call the name of people in the group, especially if you have someone new to the group. It's a way of telling them these people's names. Does that make sense? I have... Talked in groups of people wishing, please somebody say that person's name. And they'll say, well, he said, and she said, and me said. And that's informative. Hey, he, how you doing? Now, Heidi over here, hers is real easy. If you just walk up and say, Heidi. <laughs> She'll say, hey. It's pretty cool right there. But everybody remember that, that when you're talking to people and there's someone new in the group, say everybody's name so that person can kind of get a clue as to who people are and what have you. It's very informative. And remind me often, if you bring guests or family to church or whatever, even if I've met them, it's okay to say, 
hey, pastor, this is my brother so-and-so. And I can say, hey, Bill, how you doing? You know, whatever. I may know his name, but it's okay. Uh, if everybody would help with that, it'd be really awesome. So use our name. Learn to listen and understand other people's interest and their point of view, even if it disagrees with yours. You don't have to have a debate and knock them in the mouth and say, I'm right, buddy, and don't ever come here again. Don't do that. Just be chill out. If you want to make friends, talk about what interests the people that you're talking to. This will take you far in building positive relationships. All right? The next point is accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. The Bible shows that defensiveness and blaming others for things that go wrong will clog up a good relationship. Yes, it will. The Bible teaches that. It is the refusal to properly evaluate our own contribution to conflict. You have to be honest and you have to be transparent. You know, sometimes I just don't feel like chatting. Sometimes I might be in a bad mood, but it's going to be up to me to admit that. Sometimes I don't feel like talking, and I'm a, uh, some folks have accused me of being angry. I'm not angry. I haven't been up long enough. Uh, takes me a while to get running. I could talk a long time about this stuff, and I wish we had time, but I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Don't blame others for everything that goes wrong. You go look in the mirror and be accountable and responsible for your part of the conflict. Again, Paul was right on top of this principle of building relationships. In the context of the Lord's Supper, he said, let a man examine himself. Don't try to blame everybody else for your problems. It ain't your mama's fault. If you realize that your mama gave you bad DNA, then fix it. Quit acting like that and quit blaming her. Once you're aware of it, it's on you now. Anyway, I can talk along again. Finger pointing and fault finding only magnifies problems. Accepting responsibility does not mean taking all the blame for everything. It means to sit down and with an open attitude examine the issue that's on the table. It is to accept personal responsibility for and work to change those things that hinder building relationships. Grown people act worse than kids. Kids will have a falling out and beat each other half to death in the living room, and five minutes later, they're outside playing. Grown people will have a verbal dispute and won't speak to each other for a year. It's ridiculous. Sit down and work it out. Be mature and work it out. This is pretty good stuff here tonight. It's, it's going to help folks come to Grace Church. So you want to break deadlock. Breaking deadlock is the next blank. When conflict escalates to a certain level, people stop talking to each other. I do that. I'll admit that. When a conflict reaches a certain point and I've said all I have to say, then there ain't no point talking anymore. I've said it, and I've heard you repeat it 14 times. So I'm done. There's no point just staying here spinning. Uh, and it's hard for me to hop right up and say, okay, let's sit down and work this out. I know somebody that can do that. I know a person that is awesome at that. They can have a knockdown drag out with their spouse. And like in the next 30 seconds, they're like, hey, you want to go get pizza? I'm like, if you're hungry, sit there and starve to death. I don't care. That's my, you know, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Am I being honest? Anybody? Don't put on that sanctimonious cap. I know most of you, so know how that goes. <clears throat> 
But people stop talking to each other, and, they, and, and, and even people quit church. And some with marriage, they'll move out of the house and become silently sullen or hide in their cubbyhole in their office at work so they can avoid people. I know church people that have done that. I've walked towards people at church, and they'll cut between the chairs and head out that door. <laughs> like, do I have a gun? If I don't, I wish I did, and I'd just nail you right there in the back. You'd stop and listen to me then. Boy, I'm on a roll tonight. Hallelujah. I'm having a good time. But it's true. It's good stuff. Bible teaching about building, the Bible teaching about building relationships urges people to move from deadlock to dialogue. At some point, you're going to have to talk about it. And you can smooth it over, but deep down inside, there's a grudge, and it needs to go away if you're going to be right with God. There's always the potential for more conflict, but good people with good motives need to talk. But when you head first for common ground, not fighting ground, Sometimes to maintain the relationship, people must agree to disagree about a particular area of disagreement and learn to work around things you can't change. I'll be straight up honest here tonight. I don't know how many people's here, a hundred and something. We're not going to agree on everything. I could probably bring up something political right now that make a lot of you want to go run for the door. I don't agree on everything, but I'd rather be friends with somebody over what I have in common with them than an enemy to that person over what we don't have in common. And everybody said amen. Paul speaks of this principle of building relationships in his letter to the Philippians. He said, um, I beseech uh, Euodia and Sentashi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So these people were having problems, and so Paul addressed it. You work out your differences, agree to disagree, and that's fine, but you can still be friends. Paul was requesting a mediator to intervene in this troubled relationship and begin to process the building of positive relationships. And the process involves talking and dialogue. You sit down and you work it out. All right, let's move on. Number four at Grace Church, we ask people to serve. We ask you to serve. We need folks. We need help, and I'm going to talk to you about that in just a minute. We need folks to help. So first of all, you want to find your place at Grace Church. We encourage everybody to find your place. If lack of a better word, just find your niche. It might take a week or two. It might take a month or two, but you'll find it. It's a friendly church. It's a warm church. I love Grace Church, and uh, there's plenty of room for everybody to grow and everybody to participate if you want to. So find your place. Paul said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath for before ordained that we should walk in them. So no matter whether you're five or 50, you know, you need to know that you are to serve God and serve in the kingdom. One of the things we're going to do when we get to heaven is serve God. Heaven ain't going to be just about us. There's going to be somebody else there. And he's going to want a whole lot of attention out of us. So we're going to be there to serve him. One of the things we're going to do when we get to heaven is serve God. So guess what God wants us to do while we're here on earth? He wants us to practice. Good point, whoever said that. Serve God. So we encourage you to start serving others. We teach that God put us here to make a contribution, not just to take up space with your handout all the time. I think after a while, people who belong to a church, who are a member of a church, you need to start giving back on some level. It's important that you do that. It gives you value and purpose and what have you, and we encourage people to do that. Um, 
What will be your contribution? What will be your children's contribution? You need to answer that question. How will you give back? How will you use your God-given talents that you learned about last week? Will you use them just to benefit yourselves, or will they use uh, them to help others? Everyone in our society teaches us to use our talents for ourselves. Make a lot of money, retire, be comfortable, and then die. That's the American dream. But deep down inside, we know we are made for more than that. We know instinctively that there's a bigger purpose in life. It's that deep desire inside of us. We may have covered it up with our fear of failure, but it's still there, the desire to make a difference while we're on this planet. So what would be the contribution of your life? The Bible said, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's that gifting you did last Wednesday night. This is God gave you that is to be used for his kingdom as well as other things. I believe it ought to be used for the kingdom first. Realize your spiritual gifts. Know your heart, your abilities, your personality and experiences to figure out what you can contribute. So you can glorify God by serving my local church. Glorifying God by serving my local church. Sometimes in our evangelistic zeal to emphasize that salvation is not by works, we fail to fully appreciate that we have been saved unto good works. There there needs to be a byproduct of the Holy Ghost in our life, and that's works. It's not that we're saved by works, but it's a byproduct of being saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are of his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In fact, God has placed you in your local church in order that you might be edified or built up so you might work for and serve Him. Uh, To remain sedentary is to neglect God's very purpose for our salvation. By serving, I behave like Jesus and I glorify Him. So you glorify God by serving in your local church. Number two, I have been uniquely gifted to serve. I have been uniquely gifted to serve to serve. Several Bible passages help us to understand the concept of spiritual gifts. Among them are Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. In these chapters, we learn how God graciously and supernaturally favors each believer with his own distinct ministry gift, and what a privilege is ours. At our home in the Murphy household, we open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Don't ask, it's been an old tradition. No matter what size our tree is, It seems that it's never big enough to shelter the number of presents beneath it and how bare that tree looks on Christmas morning after all the presents have been removed and unwrapped. The gifts began their life of usefulness only after they've been unwrapped. They're not of any use while they're sitting under a tree wrapped up. They're useful when they're unwrapped. In a peculiar way, many people are like that tree on Christmas Eve. They shelter a number of beautifully wrapped, lovingly purchased presents that remain unmoved and still wrapped. We as believers must wonderfully, uh, have been wonderfully gifted by the Lord Jesus, yet many are content to nestle themselves uselessly under the proverbial Christmas tree. Our next point is that serving will demonstrate the reality of my faith. Serving will demonstrate the reality of my faith. Nobody said it more poignantly than James when he taught us that faith is not primarily about what we know or have heard, and it's not primarily about what we say. Quite simply, faith without works 
is dead. If you're not serving in some capacity, giving back, contributing to the kingdom, then you have dead faith is what James is saying. Sometimes our faith has zero or minimal effect because it is not the real, actionable, uh, demonstrable faith of the Bible. Fake Christianity may temporarily move people, but upon close scrutiny will have no lasting influence. So you've heard it before. The Gospels only record one prayer request from the Lord Jesus. The Gospels only record one, and that is to pray for laborers. Pray for people who will work in the kingdom, who will serve in the kingdom. And if you're not already involved, and especially for our new members, somebody somewhere is praying for you right now to become involved in this ministry of Grace Church. The need is greater than ever before. The fields are wider than ever. And laborers are as relatively few as ever. There's a popular business principle. It's called the 80-20 principle. Basically, it goes like this. Typically, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Myriad are the, applica- uh, are the applications to this in the local church. 20% do 80% of the giving, and 20% of the people do 80% of the outreach, and you get the idea. A lot of church people have this concept and belief that says, well, they're over there doing that job, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to let them. I don't need to be involved. Brother Jason's class, Sunday before last, had 47. This past Sunday it had... 50, 51. In my opinion, it needs to have no more than 10. Because all of those, <laughs> all of those people need to be involved somewhere in the kingdom serving in the local church. The same goes for even our high school class. We need help at Grace Church. So I want to take a few moments here tonight in bringing this to a conclusion to present to you our current serve teams. Traditional Pentecostal churches would call these departments, and they would have a department head. We don't call them that. We call them serve teams. We want you to understand you're serving. You're a servant, not a volunteer, a servant. Uh, Not quite totally on board with the volunteer thing. This isn't charity work. This is eternal. This is heaven or hell. This is important. This is Holy Ghost business. So we have serve teams. When you become a part of our serve team, I will give you a coffee mug. It's black with our our blue logo on it. And inside of it, it will be filled with dirt. And what that means is that you become the culture of Grace Church. Whatever Grace Church is will grow out of you. It's the parable that Jesus told about the farmer that puts a seed in the ground. He can't understand how them little leaves sprout up. What's that miracle? It's the soil that gives the thing, the plant life. So when people come in here with needs and what have you, these seeds in their life, we are the culture, we're the dirt that they can be planted in and their lives begin to grow and be fulfilled. That's serving. It's serving. It's serving in the kingdom of God and so biblical. So let's begin tonight, and I'll introduce to you our Grace Church Serve Teams. You'll notice that a background check and signing the leadership agreement are required for the following serve teams, so everybody listen carefully. Number one, children's ministry and nursery. For our 11 o'clock service on Sunday morning nursery, we need help. Everybody wants a nursery, but nobody wants to work in the nursery. We have literally looked for someone to hire and can't find anybody. So until that time, we need our, our ladies. We do not allow men to stay in our nursery. 
for obvious reasons. There's a sign on the door. If you want to go look at it after church, it'll tell you why. Men are not allowed in the nursery. We're not going to allow men to work in the nursery. Uh, we need our ladies to step up. If we get 12 or 15 ladies to do this, you rotate one Sunday, you do it one time, and you're good for the next 14, 15 Sundays. And um, it's just a no-brainer to me. Uh, Ethel uh, Spears is over the nursery. She's doing a great job. And uh, Sarah Elsenrath is assisting her, but she needs help. And if she asks you, please say, sure. Remember that last Wednesday night, the Tigger attitude? Sure. And then we have preschool nursery uh, on Sunday morning and even Wednesday nights. And then we have Sunday school, ages 5 through 11. Uh, Sister Ethel Tear, somewhere I thought I saw her. Uh, there she is. Uh, she can give you all the age breakdown of the classes. She's our Sunday school administrator. Uh, for Sunday school, we've had a couple of people that's already said they'd like to be involved in Sunday school, and thank you very much for that. But you'll need to go through the leadership thing first. And then we have kids' church, children's church on Wednesday night, which is incredible. We're fixing to move them from classroom one to what was the teen room. It's a much bigger room, and uh, we'll be getting that set up for them in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be really cool. But we need help. We need staff people. And if we get enough people to volunteer and to serve, we can rotate you in and out. You don't have to do it every time you come to church. Everybody understand that point? The more, the merrier. The second thing is student ministry we have here at Grace Church. We have middle school, which is called Edge, and we have high school, which is called Collision. And then on Sunday mornings in um, Brother Jason's class, it's called Next. It's college and career, ages 18 through 45. And uh, that's strategic for purposes that it's designed that way. But even on Wednesday nights uh, in the Alexander Center, the middle school, high school, and the college-age kids have their own service on Wednesday nights. Brother Aaron's over that. And he does an amazing job, and I'm very thankful for that. And then we have our worship team. Uh, we need musicians. We're in desperate need of a keyboard player. Casey would love to have a break once in a while. If y'all know a keyboard player at another church, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we need musicians uh, to help us out. Uh, singers, we're real top-heavy on singers right now, but you can talk to Casey, and she'll fill you in with that one. Uh, even a track operator, uh, Cole does that among some of our other folks, but if you would like to be a part of that, you can talk to Casey and, uh, she'll direct you where you need to go with that. We have a, a program, a training process that we call Infuse, that a lot of these serve teams engage, and you will be made aware of them if you talk to me or that serve team leader. They will tell you. We have one for children's ministry, the production booth, music, singing, all of that. Uh, we, we appreciate your experience, but we'd like for you to do it our way. If you can't do that, then sit on the chair. I don't know what else to say. Uh, and then we have our adults, and I'm really excited about this. Our overcomers, ages 50 and up. And our brother, Tom Laidlaw, has taken the leadership role along with... Um, Sister Diane, and they're doing a phenomenal job. They had their first meeting last Saturday. And um, the next one coming up is going to be really cool. You'll not want to miss that, the next meeting. You'll want to find out when it is and plan to be there. All right, then we have a serve team called Creative Worship. Uh, Sister Sandy uh, is running that. I think uh, Sister Shaquana helps with that. And if I'm leaving somebody else out, forgive me. But if you're interested in that, please talk to them. 
we have Elevate Kids, Elevate Edge, and that's for our junior high, uh, middle school kids, and then we have Elevate Adults. And then our uh, another serve team we have is Hospitality, and this includes ushers, greeters, um, concierge. Does anybody know how to spell concierge without looking at the word? It's kind of tricky. I never did learn how to spell it. I can say it, but I can't spell it. Uh, but our, it's our concierge people. It's the people that stand behind the desk on the lobby in the lobby uh, on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Check our kids in. They do a phenomenal job. This group is called the A team. It's administrative team, and Sister Christie's over that. Our ushers, we need ushers. We need some of our men to step up and help out. Brother Mike Landry's our head usher. He does an amazing job. Brother Mike, wave your hand. He does a great job. I love Brother Mike. He's real organized, does a phenomenal job with our ushering staff, but we need some more ushers and we need some greeters. Uh, some of you, we, ladies or men, as long as you have a pretty smile. Can I say what I want to say? If your teeth are all messed up, yeah, yeah, anyway, never mind. Um, so these are our, our serve teams. Um, <clears throat> the next group that I'm going to present to you, background check and signing leadership agreement, is not required, is not required. And that's hospitality, and that group is security. Uh, as all of you know, we have a person here at Grace Church that conceals, carries uh, a firearm in case someone walks in. We'll do our best to minimize the damage. God help us. But we're at that point. Our, we have another, uh, our ushers carry radios, and we have things in, in, in place to try to keep you safe on Sunday morning. And um, I've also asked uh, Brother Willie Brown, Jr., uh, Sheriff's Deputy, uh, if he would carry his firearm. He does, even out of uniform, but he brings his badge with him, and I thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for that. So we have a security team, and we would want to keep building that. Uh, we're also putting together a medical staff. We have a lot of nurses Registered nurses, LPNs, and uh, Brother Merrill's kind of getting to a point where he can re-engage that project of putting together medical staff, and we'll keep you posted as that goes. And then we have special events here at Grace Church all the time that require sometimes bringing food, decorating different rooms, setting up chairs and tables, tearing it all down, putting it all back. We really need folks to, to volunteer to help us with that, to just be on standby, that you can come down and help us with that. Another serve team that we have that does not require the leadership stuff and the background check is a production team, and this is lighting in the back. Brother Nate Henson uh, is over that, and as, as well as media. Media is the words on the wall. Uh, we need help. He needs help with that, but we really need help. Brother Jonathan Adams needs help. He needs somebody to step up and help him run live stream. Right now, he's the only one doing it. And uh, we can have anywhere from 10 to 50 people watch our church service on any given service. That's Sunday morning and Wednesday night. He does a phenomenal job, but he needs somebody to say, hey, I will help you do that. And it's not hard. He would be happy to train you. So if you're interested, please see him about that. Um, so we have lighting, media, live stream, and then sound. Uh, we're really in search of another soundboard operator to help Chris out as well. Uh, and then we have groups with church prayer on Sunday morning, Tuesday morning, the third Tuesday evening of the month, uh, and even Wednesday pre-service. Sister Murphy noticed that we have about 16 people 
at Grace Church whose specific gifting is prayer. We would love to see you in our prayer times. That's your natural gifting that God gave you. Supernatural gifting, I should say. If you would help us with that. And then we have outreach. I'll mention some of these. Uh, We have give. Uh, Tommy and Amy Riddle run this department. That's the blood drives. Uh, Periodically through the year, we'll do a, a, a food bank thing. It's really cool the way all this works out. We just had the blood drive. The blood mobile was here this past Sunday or Sunday before last, as a matter of fact. Also, Grace Church is a a voting precinct. Every time we have an election, it doesn't matter uh, who's running and if it's local or statewide or national. Uh, We are an official voting precinct, have been since we moved here. We need help with this from time to time during an election to fix food, desserts, set things up, tear things down, what have you. If you can help with that, we'd appreciate it. About every six to eight weeks, we feed Central Middle School staff. It's about 70 to 80 people. We feed them lunch. Uh, Sister Christie has been manning this project uh, from the very beginning. We've done it now for probably four or five years. And uh, it's awesome. It's wonderful. And we're very thankful. But we'll go buy them Cane's Chicken or Domino's Pizza, whatever, and we'll feed their entire staff. It would be wonderful to have somebody that would step up and say, I'll take care of that. The church pays for it. We just need for you to call, go get it, deliver it, and be real nice while you're there. If something makes you mad, stay in control of yourself until you're out of the off the school campus, and then you can act whatever. Anyway. And then we have a team that we're still building. Uh, Brother Ben Tier is uh, helping this. God love him. They had a full plate last year with some health issues and whatnot, but we just simply call it 516. Uh, it's, it's a biblical principle, but it has to do with uh, charitable-type things, hospital visitation, and what have you. Also, until the flood came, we were hosting a central autism awareness group. Uh, Grace Church had nothing to do with that. We just provided them a meeting place at, in the Alexander Center. It was really awesome, and it's to help parents who have autistic children. And uh, we're looking forward to them coming back as soon as the demands of the flood begin to wane. We also host at least once a year our, our City of Central's Mayor's Prayer Breakfast. And it's where all the political officials, uh, city council, and what have you, along with all the area pastors, all pastors of all denominations are invited to come. We have breakfast together. We pray several times throughout that meeting. And then the local pastor will give some inspiration. And then the mayor will give kind of the state of the city. We need folks when we do this to help cook food, uh, set up, clean up put everything back when it's all over so uh just give you an idea of some of the things we do the next group is small groups and this is mainly for ladies we have the esther project uh brianna turpin is over that are you getting used to that by now being called you're by your no you don't like it i thought that's what you said uh (coughs) stuck with it now baby is all i can say no i'm I'm kidding (laughs) love this couple some good things coming down the pike for them um sister sheila landry you'll wave your hand she has a card class every month they play poker that's not what that is they make greeting cards and it's fun it's awesome according to sister murph she goes to nearly every time she has one she's there uh sister sheila so awesome such a fantastic lady 
She also has people that do not attend Grace Church, that are unchurched people or of another faith that attends that. So it's kind of a little bit of an outreach thing as well. But any of you ladies that are interested, you can see her and she can give you all the information. And then we have Pillar, one of the most stellar women's uh, programs, for lack of a better word, that we have here at Grace Church. And Sister Kara swallows over that if you... Um, it's, it's women's mentoring. It's the older mentoring the younger. And this is so biblical. She does a fantastic job. She wrote and designed and produced this program. And I'm asking her to go nationwide, worldwide with it. It's phenomenal. It's been awesome for our ladies. If you'd like to participate, we'll be hearing from Kara here pretty soon. She'll make a presentation about it. They're fixing to start this semester of it. And, uh, but if you're interested, see her about that. And then we also have single sisters. These are ladies who are single over the age of 50 and Sister Lisa Ledoux is over that. Sister Lisa, if you'll wave your hand, if you are a single lady over 50, she would like to know who you are. She will come to visit you from time to time, and periodically they do get-togethers together. And then our small groups for our men, we have the Burger Club. I'm not even going to begin to try to describe that. You, let me just say very briefly, the men get together and go get a hamburger. But there's far more to that. Nathan Henson is over that small group, and uh, he's in the production booth in the back. If any of you men are interested in that, see him about it. The men get together and do fantasy football. I don't do that, and if I did, they wouldn't have fun. Um, so you'd have to keep them honest and Christian-like and what have you. But uh, uh, he, uh, I think Brother Nate does that as well. And then Brother Troy, from time to time, will arrange for the men to go shoot guns and pistols. If any of you guys are interested in that, let Brother Troy know in the next time we go. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. We'll let you know about it. We have single guys mentoring. Brother Ben Tier is instrumental in that, Brother Aaron Duran and others uh, for our single guys. And we hope here in just the next couple of months to add golf for our men as a small group hunting. Uh, I'm still determined to get a group of men to go on a quail hunt with me uh, or a deep sea fishing trip. And then we will begin hosting an annual father-child dinner. We may include the kids. We may not. We'll have to see. But it'll probably be wild game. Uh, quail, deer, duck, a run over cat in the road, whatever we can find. Uh, so that's for our men. And then we have small groups for seniors. This is very interesting to me. And this has gone on for years. If you're an overcomer, Nearly, nearly every Wednesday night after church, our overcomers go to the Dairy Queen in Central. They know the owner. They get coffee and treated like royalty. It's amazing. And uh, they're on a first-name basis with the owner, and she says, y'all come on in and take whatever you want. Brother Don walks out in his pockets or that big around. He's got candy and chips. and No, I'm kidding. It's not quite that like that. But anyway, and then as I just mentioned, Brother Tom Laidlaw, is over our overcomers, and he's doing a tremendous job. So that's kind of an overview of Grace Church. All right. If you are interested in becoming a member of Grace Church, listen carefully. Whether you've been through all four sessions or not, if you'd like to have a membership covenant, we would like to pass one out to you right now. So if you would raise your hand, you can read it over, and we would appreciate you signing it tonight and turning it back in. If you take it home with you, we'll never get it back. And you'll think you're a member and you're not until we get that back. But listen carefully. Whether you've done all four classes or not, 
You can go ahead and sign it, but I won't initial off on it until I know you've gone through all four classes. This will have to save us going through this process again. So Sister Christie will do a stack with, there's somebody up here, Cody, that needs one. Um, I was getting nervous. Nobody was raising their hand. I'm like, have I gone through all this for nothing? Um, <clears throat> so if you'll raise your hand, our ushers get one to you. But if you go ahead and read it over quickly, even if you need to take a few minutes after we dismiss, just read it over. And uh, if you're comfortable with it, go ahead and sign it. If you have any questions about it, see me, and I'll be happy to answer your questions as best I can, whether you've gone through all four classes or not. We will not consummate your membership until you have gone through all four classes. We'll just set them aside, but we'll have it when you're done. Christy, is there anything else I need to mention? Can you think of anything I need to mention? Okay. I've had more fun with you folks going through this, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad to get it over with. I didn't know how this material would fly, and uh, but you keep coming back on Wednesday nights. The attendance has been amazing. Everybody listen carefully while they're passing these out. We will have one more Wednesday night with everyone in the sanctuary for our worship on Wednesday, next Wednesday night. Then after that, everybody goes back. The kids' church will resume. Is that right? Am I doing that right? Uh, I think I'm right. Ethel, is that right? Okay. So next Wednesday night, we'll all be back in here for worship on Wednesday. And then the following Wednesday night, the kids go back to kids' church. The preschoolers go back to their place. The young people can get out of here and go over there to the A Center and what have you. So we'll have one more Wednesday night in here, and then you can go back, uh, go to your, your classes, and we'll resume normal but it's been my absolute pleasure and privilege to go through all of this with you guys and this is all of our membership stuff all of you've heard it and um so from now on it will be done on a sunday evening time slot in the a center only with the new members uh people that want to become a member of grace church and we're planning at this point the next rotation will be in october so um everybody remember that so you need to jump on it now if you want to be a member and get involved at Grace Church, we want you to. So everybody say amen. amen. Folks are looking over the, the uh, membership covenant. I want to explain about the membership covenant. It does not obligate you to Grace Church. <laughs> if you reach a point, we hope you don't. But if you want to move on somewhere else, this is not obligating you. It's just something we have to do for legal purposes, uh, having to do with some movement going on in our country, and I explained that in our first session. So it's not obligating you. We're not going to cut your head off if you leave. No, we're not going to burn your house down. You can. It's just something we're doing in case situations arise that may be distasteful um, things going on in our society. So that's why we do it. And I think it's explained in there somewhere. So anyway, God bless you. We're just going to go ahead and dismiss those of you that's doing your membership covenant. Just stay right where you are. Read through it. And uh, if you're already a member of Grace Church, you don't need to do this. It's only for the new members. So God bless you, and uh, the rest of you are dismissed. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Thank you very much.